Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaos. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc., that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead, is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Please be advised, this episode of Masks of Nirlathotep includes strong violence and elements of torture. Thank you for joining us again another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I am your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Masks of Nirlathotep in the England chapter with uh, an entire full slate of investigators tonight. So we'll begin with introductions to my right. That's uh, Lonnie. I'm playing Lawrence Edward Oliver Forsyth, as usual. And uh, Al? Mm, yes, that is an, an operative word for you, sir. You are probably still bleeding, at least a little bit. Uh, and to the, his right. This is Morgan. I play Lillian Lane, and I'm just here to have a good time. Mm, indeed. In fact, I believe Miss Lane recently had a good time. So all of you who are hearing it now just probably heard her spotlight episode. And uh, I can't wait for the other investigators to figure out all the fun things you've been up to at the end of the table. This is Jake. I'm playing Jack Doyle and I'm having a sleepover with Simone. <laughs> Very good. To his right. This is James. I'll be playing Dr. Sigmund Tartenbach and I will be sleeping alone tonight. Yeah. You sleep alone pretty much every night, doctor. Yeah, rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> the doctor's right. This is Tiffany. I play Maeve O'Shea, and I'm studying. I have a feeling that your subject matter might grow, but we'll get we'll get to that. And then last, most certainly not least. This is Alex. I'll be playing Simone Golanger, and uh, the night is young, and there's much to be done. So true. Um, so we'll lift the curtain on Limehouse. And we do so as to catch up with one Detective Jack Doyle, who, after a very long night of reconnaissance work down by the docks and some, you know, probably that sea air got into his lungs and it seems he's overslept a bit. And so, Jack, as you're rubbing the sand and gunk out of your eyes in the morning, you realize that from the position of the sun, it's no longer morning. Ooh, never had a day like that in a while. Is uh, is Simone still here? He is not. Hmm. Well, then I don't want to overstay my welcome. I will uh, get up, clean up a little bit, and I guess I'll head out. You notice something. Your hat and coat are gone. Son of a bitch. But there's a hat and coat there. It's just Simone's. Well, I can't go out without a hat. That would be uh, un, uh, improper. I'm going to have to go. Uh, I'm going to have to take Simone's hat and his coat, though I don't know if it'll fit me, but whatever. It does fit. In fact, it's a little bunched in certain places. There's a bunch of extra fabric in here. The hat is also a little weird. Just not your style. Right. But it'll be fine, I guess. Anyhow, I'll... Uh... 
then I will uh, head back to the uh, hotel. Okay. Yeah, the journey from the docks back down to the hotel doesn't take very long, depending upon your method of travel, whether it be foot or whether it be cab or whether it be train. Uh, It's not too difficult to get from where you're at back to the hotel. It takes you probably a good, we'll say, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, You also realize, having slept in very late, that you are ravenously hungry as well. But luckily, there are a ton of street vendors that you can stop and grab a bite at pretty quick. Yeah, I'll get something on the way. I mean, probably no hot dogs, but it's not Chicago, but whatever. Yeah, you get something to, to pull you through until you get back to the hotel and when you walk in uh, to the hotel room, you find in the center room, uh, Sigmund and Maeve working on a few things. Good afternoon, everybody. Well, guten Tag, Jock. Have a seat. Yeah, don't mind if I do. Doctor, he's dressed a little strange. Those aren't his clothes. Are you on the case, Jack? Yeah, yeah you could say that. I did say What are you two working on? Yeah. What are you two working on? Well, I hope you don't mind, but I borrowed your books on Egypt. I wanted to take a look through them and kind of familiarize myself with their history and where we will probably be going. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I uh, I found them a little dry myself. Well, after medical texts, I am used to dry. Simone and I found some stuff at the dock last night. What did you find? Have you talked to him? Is this before or after we've talked to him? This is this takes place after the tea house scene. So at this point, Mr. We Forsyth have, is, we have the is items. gone. You do. That's actually what you're in the middle of like That's what I figured, okay. Studying. Oh, so I, I recognize uh you recognize the box, yeah. Oh, I, I see that he's been here. Yes. We met up with him. Yeah. So you guys gonna get on the right foot on this? You know, Jack, that you have brought me not only an interesting item, but a very interesting moral conundrum. So a moral conundrum? Yeah. Do you know the story of where the item comes from? No, I don't. Uh, I was not privy to that. And where was the exact circumstances of where you found them? Oh, they were in a warehouse on the docks being loaded onto a ship or very interesting they are quite old I do believe and for them to be kept around and shipped from one place to another I imagine they are quite valuable though I cannot imagine why again bringing me to the conundrum of do you give them a proper burial or do you keep them as some sort of horrific trophy I mean for now we will keep them safe Somebody wants them, so they are invaluable. We have books uh, bound in human skin and a mummified tongue on a mask, so, you know. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> We're slowly but surely building a whole person. Just right. The hard way. I'm pretty sure that these probably had to do with some kind of ritual or some kind of sacrifice. I mean, that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah, I can't imagine any other reason they would have them. Because you are both close friends of mine, I must confess to a certain morbid curiosity. Although, 
Donning such a dark thing, I think, would leave some sort of stain on your soul, would it not? I mean, that is an action you cannot take back. But yet, the curiosity remains. <laughs> a stain on your soul? What? What did I say? Oh, I, I'm... Yeah, uh, what I see in Ralph they did. That's not bad. I'm learning. It's good. Yeah, uh, I can't imagine... Exactly what somebody would have had to have gone through in order to think this was okay. Probably the same thing with that tongue on a mask. Uh, well, I don't think. I don't. I am curious with all of we have seen, all of the mysterious things we have seen, to make a pair of. Well, I don't want to call them shoes. Whatever. Foot covers out of feet. I wonder if they serve some more arcane purpose. Mm, perhaps. Maybe like in a spell to be able to walk across dimensions. I I don't know. I <clears throat> I am just thinking aloud. But that's interesting. It's possible. We have seen stranger things. He gently taps one of Maeve's books. That is an interesting theory. It's possible. I guess it depends... First of all, like, we don't even know what deity these could possibly derive from. I've never come across anything like that, so if we could figure that out, then we can go from there. In one of the books that you le- that you loaned me a long time ago, I believe, I, there was a reference to an object known as a hand of glory, which is a, uh, a which is a preserved hand that has special powers. Now, I'm not saying this is, of course, the same thing. It is obviously not, but the concept perhaps is the same. Yeah. Yeah, but the, these also look like they've been shed. Like, look at the toenails. Like yeah, look... but again, with what we've seen. So, again, these it comes full circle. These were going to the same place that the knife was, correct? I can the only knife assume. that you got the rubbing from, Jack? So, they're in the lo- same location. I imagine they're going the same place. I assume everything is probably going the same place, but I can't be certain of that. Is there any markings or anything on these feet? I have them upstairs if you would like to see them. I can tell you that I have not found any yet, nor does it have any um, prints, you know, think footprints, uh, toe prints. I, I don't know. Well, I, I was just, I was just wondering because uh, I'm under the impression that if something's going to be used in a ritual or whatnot, it would have some kind of, you know markings on them. Yeah, I, I wondered the same thing. Unless they are part of a suit. Mm. Well, you hear voices outside in the conjoined meeting area. I, unfortunately, I, you know, to, to the concept that there's not just shoes, but a whole suit, perhaps a hat, I don't know. I don't know how far it would go. I didn't think shoes would be possible, so now that you've opened up the closet, there's a lot of things to wear. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know how I feel about this discussion. 
Okay. I'm just... <laughs> I, I don't know if uh, a whole person suit is something I uh, am in the right frame of mind to be talking about right now. Doc gets kind of an amused <laughs> grin. Is the coffee a little, a little too black for you, Jack? A little too dark for you? <laughs> I'm just, you know, it's... In general, it's not something I expected when I got up this afternoon to uh, be talking about a person suit. Yeah, nor did I expect to be putting the words, those words in that order myself, but here we are. Person suit. That is abominable. Well, I mean, if you think about it, if these were shed, then you would think that the rest of the outer dermis would be shed. Like yeah. a snake. And what is underneath? And and why wouldn't you keep it all together? Why would you put the, the feet in their own uh, shoe box, if you will, if you have an entire matching suit? Well, uh, maybe the rest of it couldn't be preserved. Um, maybe it's because if the knife refers to who I think it refers to, then you may only need the feet to travel to where you need to go. So who does the knife refer Like if this person ascended but shed its outward skin and maybe it needs the feet to come back. Well, now we it. have the feet, so now we go. Well, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, I'm not putting the feet on. No, the doctor wants to do that. Oh, God. Doc is very quiet and does not disagree. <laughs> Alright, so once I, I hear you guys talking in the other room and I kind of, you know, wake up and come out of the room and head over to the group. Now keep in mind that Lillian is still pretty tired from the events earlier today. Yeah, I'm, I'm wearing a robe. I look a little, maybe a little disheveled. I have probably some bags under my eyes. Miss Lane, are you feeling okay? Um, it's, it's, it's been a long day, uh, Jack. I uh, had quite the uh, quite the excitement today, but um, it looks like you guys might have had some excitement as well. Um, is that box open on the table? Uh, wait, which box? I because I don't the, know anything the about shoe box. your. Yeah. Oh I don't know no, that. that's back up in the doc's room. He, he didn't oh, okay. bring that so, out here. Okay. Yeah, no, so that's not something I, he just leaves on the table. You never know. Um, <laughs> He's not that callous yet. <laughs> <laughs> seems to be a. I wasn't quite able to catch all, you know, most of what you guys were talking about. Is there anything going on that I should know about? Oh, we just uh, uncovered some footwear. I kind of raised yeah. my eyebrow at him. Like, like, is it fashionable? Like, <laughs> uh, oh, maybe in the right crowd. Come, and you know what? No, wait. Why don't you have a cup of coffee a little bit first? And and then I thought you know what? You. No, I don't think she needs to see it. You know, I don't. I I agree, but you know, it seems rude to. Okay. Hey, uh, Mike, my journal, my new one. Mm -hmm. I've sketched out them, the the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> I I pull out my footwear. Journal. We're gonna the refer footwear. to it as footwear. It's footwear. <laughs> The, oh the, the grand sandals. <laughs> but you're assuming somebody wears them. Well, no, see. It, <laughs> they they well, were somebody, created by... Somebody did wear them at one point. 
<laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm going to assume they came from a guy so that I can call them Micasins. <laughs> <laughs> he pulls out his the new journal and opens it up to the the sketching that he did of the footwear and shows that to Lillian instead. He shows you a sketch of a rather good sketch of a couple of a, a pair of feet. I look so what is what what are they made out of? What is that made? What is that made out of? Feet. Like 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 skin? Oh, that's fantastic. Where did you find that at? In a warehouse with some other artifacts. Did you touch them? You didn't touch the feet, did you? I didn't touch the feet. Okay, that's good. Because, you know, they might be cursed or something, especially if they're made out of human skin. Ew. Not everything made out of human skin is cursed. I just I just want to, like, throw that out there. Do you remember that time you looked at the book made out of human skin, I think it was, or the tongue or something, and you lit my, my house on fire? Sure. But <laughs> doesn't mean it's cursed. Yeah. I'm not still lighting things on fire. That's true. You did get You got past that. That's fine. Okay. Uh, and what are we going to do with the feet? Do we know what they're used for? Well, actually, that is what we were currently puzzling about. He oh, okay. pulls a chair out for Lillian. I take a seat. We were thinking a few things. Fun, that uh, perhaps the shoes were not by themselves, and as in there might be more people there. And... Uh, two. Yeah, what purpose do they have? Simone got some rubbings of a uh, knife and probably, I, I don't know if there's anything else, but yeah, just a few things. But it looks like uh, they're shipping a lot of uh, awful things out of there. Oh, did it say where, did you find any shipping manifest, manifest? Like, where are they shipping to? Uh, I believe they're shipping to Shanghai. That's what Simone said. Oh, really? But the end destination was Shanghai. Interesting. Does it... And do you know what company owns that warehouse? No, I don't think we do. Well, oh, yes, I don't okay. know. Simone probably okay. knows. Simone has all that information. And I'm sorry if I've... If you guys have already talked about all this. I'm just, you know... I'm, I'm trying to play ketchup. Um, not the food. It was ketchup around in the 20s? I'm assuming it was. Uh, um, actually, I know, but we're not... It's a whole story about it. <laughs> <laughs> The whole story about ketchup. Sweet. Now for an educational segment. <laughs> <laughs> the more you know. Um, all right. So now that we're we're sharing, um, I I, I want to share with you as well. All of you, not just one of you. Bright and early this morning, I got a call from Mr. Kennery at the Penu Foundation. I had a direct conversation with Edward Gavigan. He invited me um, to the Penu Foundation for a meeting. I kind of look around the room and I went and had a meeting with, with him. And it was, it was fine. I'm, I'm still here. No bullet holes. Nobody locked me up. Nobody tied me up. I'm still the same Lillian. There are many ways to mistreat someone other than physically. That's very, you are very, you and are very it's right. very suspicious that you are reassuring us that you're the same Lillian. Well, Perhaps Mike, has she sat down yet? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I did sit down. You offered me oh, a okay. chair. I was going to say, otherwise I would have stand up and sat her down by now. <laughs> <laughs> so while I was there, 
Mr. Gavigan was very was a very gracious host. I, I guess as gracious as maybe somebody that's possibly running an evil organization can be. However, I, I came back with some gifts for um, a couple of you. So, as it happens, while well, he he had to take a phone call while I was there, and for some reason, unbeknownst to me, he left a safe open in his office. I don't know why. So, long story short, in his office, connected his office, was a closet that um, opened into another room, a secret room, which had a sarcophagus that opened into another secret room, which had all sorts of fun stuff in it. Define fun stuff. Well, there's a there was a whole library of books that I'm pretty sure Maeve would be very interested in. There was some... Actually, just hang on a second. I put up my hands. Just, just hang on a second. I, I run back over to my room, uh, to the room, and um, out of my trunk, I grab the papers and mm-hmm. the book and the vial. Okay. And I come come rushing, you know, come rushing out back out of the room, and I hand a vial full of, of unknown liquid to the doctor. Doctor, this is for you. Well, this isn't the first time. I. I don't know what it is, but it was in the back room behind the secret sarcophagus door, uh, and I, it, there was no there was no text or anything on it. So I just thought maybe you'd want to test it and see what it is. I will do my best. The papers and whatnot are there was a shipping manifest. I hand that over to Jack for him to take a look at, along with the telegraph. I did I wait the telegraph I didn't take correct. The telegraph you did not take. That's but right. I remember you, it though. You remember it because you have right. photographic memory. That's true. I really so. do have photographic memory. Photos. Okay, Mark. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, that I really, really do. I memorize my face. <laughs> memorize your own face, folks. All right. And then for Maeve, I kind of have the book a little bit, the gripped into my hand. Mike, you're going to have to help me with the word, the. I will. The um, name of the book. It's a French book. And it is a French book. Um, being as I read French and speak French, <laughs> <laughs> I um, it was kind of like the first thing that caught my eye when I when I grabbed it or when I was in this back room. So I don't ask how I got it out of there without them knowing. Just 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 don't. Oh ask. no! Ask. ask. <laughs> 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 Let's just say it involved. Sh- shoving the book up under my, my dress and using my belt distance shot. It was very uncomfortable and I don't recommend that to anybody. But anyways, this is for you, Maeve. I hand her the, the tome. All right. Um, tome itself that she hands you is a rather old book um, just by its uh, physical features, right? Uh, it's handwritten. At least that's what it appears to be. Uh, the the cover is a like a, a brown, light brown to dark brown leather that looks like it's seen some wear. Uh, just the feeling of it gives you an, an absolute electric feeling, like up your arms and into your chest. Like it, it feels like you're holding a, a power pole. Hmm. Okay. The shipping manifest that she drops on the table there 
is from a company called Ernest Whitfield and Company from Birmingham. Uh, they make custom cast iron safes. And the note that you, the thing, that, the scrawling part that you recognize and kind of drill down in, Jack, is that the, the delivery is to a Henson Manufacturing in Darby. Yeah. It's the first time you've heard of this place, but it is strange that Gavigan would have a receipt for something like that. But you pair it with some things maybe that Lawrence pulled out of the the lady at the club. You know that Darby's north. Mm-hmm. So maybe this is the place that they went north? Yeah. As far as the vial goes that she hands you, uh, it is colored like blood, Sigmund. Um, but it has not done any of the normal things that blood would do if it was sitting in a vial and not being turned or it has not coagulated at all. It doesn't coagulate. It doesn't separate. He goes back into his room, but open, leaves the door open and gets out his, as much of a medical kit as he can get here and begins doing a little bit of research on whatever this black goo is. So Miss Lane speaks French. And so the French translation that's in the front of this, uh, just looking at the inside page for both Maeve and, and for Lillian, that first page is Le Ver Divon. And so translated back to English, it basically is the book of Yvonne, whoever Yvonne is. Is it French throughout the book? It is. Well, I don't read French. Sure, we can have somebody help you translate that stuff if you, if you so, uh, so would like. A lot of times, the people that would be able to translate it would not like the kinds of things that are in these kinds of books. Well, seen as I. I'm okay with you seeing those things in kind of books. I'm sure I can help you translate or Simone speaks French, I'm assuming as well. I don't want to do the spells in the book. I just want to help you translate them. <laughs> well, you don't know that there are spells in it, but oh. yeah, sure. Well, I'm assuming there's. Um, can, feel free to make that assumption. Are there any pictures or symbols in the book? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... <laughs> It's chock full of, of information. It feels and looks like a, like a lot of the... It reminds you a lot of the Noctic Manuscript. Okay. Except that it's three times as thick. Um, and then are, are you going to recite the telegram to them? I am. A couple other things. Sure. So, I kind of had a, had a chance to, uh, to you know, sift through uh, Mr. Gavigan's desk and found a, a telegram in there. It was from November 6, 1924, and the telegram said, The Giza dig, all is planned. Work apace at Mycenarists. Thank you for your assistance. Most helpful, Dr. H. Clive. So, there was also, I believe, another telegram that I read, and I don't remember it fully. It was from William Petrie to Gavigan on a dig in Palestine that was successful. And I'm assuming that's, you know, 
before he passed, uh, of course, because a dead guy is not going to be sending. He might be sending telegrams. Um, wait, clerical note. What? William Petrie is still alive. Oh, not Petrie. Who was the other guy? Sorry. Uh, you're talking about um, Sir Aubrey Penhue. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. Anyways, yes, William Petrie, that's, that was the recent telegram. Um, and then, so overall, um, I have agreed to work with Edward Gavigan. Obviously, I'm, I'm not, you know, working with him. He um, liked me, apparently. So we are going, um, his assistant, Thomas Kennery, is going to call and set up a time, or I can call and set up a time to have a actual business meeting with Gavigan. About what? Well, if we want to know what's really going on, um, this is one way to do it. Yeah, but it, I mean, it, what kind it, of business are you guys going to... Uh, it's not money. It's all about the expeditions. I told him I was interested in the expeditions they're doing in Egypt. However, I'm not. I, I told him I'm. I, I would bring in a business associate with me, which is. And I look over at the doctor. Was hoping that the doctor would come with me. I would be happy to, if you would like. And well, was pleased to accompany you, Miss Lillian. Seeing as Jack and Simone have already gotten themselves in trouble. Wandering the docks and around the Pengu Foundation, it might not be the best to have one of them come with me, and I'm not sure where Mr. Forsyth is at the moment, but... Um, he hasn't actually disappeared again, has he? I no, you would not. You would know that he is, <laughs> he is out planning with Simone. Okay. I would be more than happy to accompany you. Great. I, I don't know when this meeting is, but I think it's it's viable to use... You know, my family given gifts to help us get further in our investigation. I think it's a bad idea, but... Well, I made it out of his office unscathed after sneaking in all of his places he doesn't want anybody sneaking into. And... It doesn't mean he doesn't know, and it doesn't mean he doesn't have a plan. Oh, he probably... He'll realize I stole his book eventually. But this is... This is one avenue to... Uh, I'm just glancing over at Jack. Especially after taking those items, it might be dangerous for you to meet with him again. Unfortunately, if you don't meet with him again, he will obviously be even more suspicious. Exactly. If you do meet with him again, maybe it would be wise for not just uh, the doctor to go with you, but to have somebody else nearby who could help uh, pull the both of you out of the fire, depending on where you meet. Well, I'm thinking this time it's going to hopefully be a little bit more public place. That would be so, uh, advisable. Perhaps a restaurant? I think a restaurant. I, I think actually, maybe the Blue Pyramid Club. Mm. Mm. I have heard stories that he's I have a heard stories as well. Place. <laughs> I think if we want him, to, we want to convince Gavigan that I am a true believer, then I think we need to play the game with him. And I'm sure he is a member of the Blue Pyramid Club. Oh, no doubt. But I don't know if we want to tip our hand that we know that they're connected yet. He might be even more suspicious. I, or I could suggest I can suggest maybe he picks a restaurant, and he may be. just offer that up. Listen, and I I look at all three of them. Please don't take this the wrong way by any means. But. 
Gavigan's not the first man of this caliber that I've dealt with. And I don't know if I've been around the block as a saying back in the 20s, but I've been around the world and I've dealt with plenty of men just like Gavigan. Maybe not into the whole, we're going to murder all the Egyptians kind of thing, but I'm asking that you trust me just a little bit. I trust you implicitly. That's why I have no problem going. I trust all of you. Right. If this is the uh, um, the path you want to take, then we'll back you up on it. But just try to be safe about it. Absolutely. I would never do anything to purposely put our investigation and our group in harm's way. Every step I take is well thought out and carry. You know, carry. there might be one time that I wasn't quite as well thought out. Everything I do is for the good of the group and to make sure you uh, you guys are also kept safe as well. There's a photograph in his desk, in a locked desk drawer. By, and it locked seemed to up. be very... It was locked. I unlocked it with a key, not with my... <laughs> it was a photograph of a country mansion, and it was called Mr. House. Right, Mike? Well, it was M-I-S-R? Yeah, M-I-S-R. Yeah. M-I-S-R. What color was it? Um, well... I'm oh, assuming was no it was color. a black and white. It was a black yeah, and white photo. Never mind, yeah. forgot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it it didn't have anything else other than that. No address. No, no like city. I'm assuming it's in in Europe because well, or in England somewhere because well, it's there were no house numbers. Oh yeah, it was just the writing and a picture of the house. It was definitely out in the middle of like nowhere. I'm assuming that's important for like because he had it. What kind of gate? In a locked door, it, there was no, there was no gate. It was just the house itself. So maybe something we might want to go look at at one of the at the library, just or see if there's something in the periodicals about it. In Peter's ledger, did he name the house that they were at? Oh, Peter um, Walmsley. Mm-hmm. No, he never names the house. And one more thing that happened while I was there, I asked him his favorite piece, hoping that he would take me to some like secret room. That, you know, I found later anyways. And he actually took me up to the expedition hall where I had been previously and showed me a piece, a pottery jar. The, the reason why this piece was special to him is it was because it was the last piece brought back from Egypt by um, Sir Aubrey Penu. So I asked if I could touch it. And so when I picked it up, I felt the history of the object. I was able to see where that piece initially started from, and it was two people. There were two people on the piece of pottery, as it was a man and a woman. It looked like there was like a heart that was connecting them. So when I when I touched the the pottery, I was there with them on a boat. We were drifting on the Nile, and the man was wearing like. I think it was, was it two crowns, Mike? Um, of Northern and Southern Egypt. Mike, I'm scribbling down details as she's saying them. The man was very striking looking. He was, uh, you know, handsome. The woman was beautiful. The, the way they looked at each other, they were very much in love. However, out from the, I was still holding the pottery piece in, while in uh, memory, for lack of, I don't have a better term, other than the memory. And it's a long stringy bit of blackness came out from the, the the pot and it was it gripped my arms and my shoulder and 
when I looked at the woman again, she was mummified. She tried, she grabbed my hand. It, I, I just felt so, so much darkness. So, such, it, it was very chaotic. And, and the man held a rod full of vipers. I, it went from being this love, what felt like a love story or a scene, a love scene to just something just pure evil. And wherever they got that piece from, I, I feel like that area, wherever they got it from, that something had to have happened there. Those, those people were, you know, either they were they were worshiping something they shouldn't have and called forth something. I, I, I don't know. It was just, I felt nothing but evil after that. And I was able to pull, get pulled out of it after, after that. Um, it's hard to make me really afraid. Of something, and I was really afraid, right? That just that scene right there. However, I was able to, I, I think Mr. Gavin was a little concerned after that. I just, I, I kind of lied to him, obviously lied to him and, just told him I was overwhelmed by the piece itself. Where did Penhew get it from? That's... Oh, he did tell me. Western Waste Fields of uh, near Darshur. That's right. So it was in a, it was near a dig west of Darshur. So that might be somewhere we wanna... When, when we make it to Egypt, might be somewhere we wanna, might wanna look. So that was my excitement, and hence if I look a little unkept... That was very exhausting. I should say that was the longest explanation as to a bathrobe I have ever heard. Yeah, I'm very sorry. Next, yeah. My long story short turned into a long story even longer. Would you like to see the feet now? Um, <laughs> I think your drying is just fine. <laughs> just, you can keep those feet to yourself, Doctor. Thank you, though. Uh, so here's so. what I'd like. Um, I'd like to know for the balance of the evening, um, I know that Miss O'Shea is likely going to probably can either continue to keep in the, their nose in the book that she had or perhaps look to fumble with the new toy that she's got. Doctor, you're going to be in your room working on the chemistry stuff. Absolutely. Jack, what are you and Lillian planning on doing with the balance of your, your evening? Well, Lillian, what are you doing for the rest of the day? <laughs> Do you want to go to the Blue Pyramid Club? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> what time is it? We'll say that it's probably dinner time at this point for the two of you. Okay. I think I need something to eat. I am famished. Yeah, we can go downstairs and get something to eat. Do you mind if I change into something else really quick? I suppose. I go running back to my room to go put on some, you know, a pants and a a shirt. Yeah, it doesn't take you very long to both change. You go down and you get something to eat and... I suppose then the question is with the the balance of the rest of your evening past dinner, are you going to pull on any of these threads or clues that you have, or are you going to wait until Simone and Lawrence get back? I think we should probably wait. Uh, it's a little late for us to be doing a lot of investigation, so why don't we just go out and uh, you know have an evening? Sounds good. I think we could all use a little relaxation. Right. Okay. You guys go out, have an evening. It feels good to just be out at a cafe or a bar or just to do something that isn't investigating multiple murders and cultists (laughs) or crazy farmers. We dialed the clock forward a bit, and Lawrence, you are sitting on a hospital bed as the local college medical staff 
are working the best they can to continue to patch you up. Um, It's been a bit of a fraught experience so far after being dropped off. Uh, You wouldn't say dumped because Simone made sure that you landed properly, but after you were stable enough to, to get inside, he took off like the wind. There are uh, several young staff members. One is trying to take your pulse. The other is trying to uh, get you to drink these pills. And the other one is trying to wrap your stomach to try to close the, the, the gaping wound that still bleeds through. Oh, Terry, so I said, uh, c- can you tell us what happened? They're laying you back on the on the bed. Mm. Some, sort, some sort of uh, accident? Yes. Tell the damn piece of metal is sharp. Oh, it sounds sounds dreadful. Well, um, just uh, lie still here for a bit, and then uh, we'll uh, we'll get we'll get a local here, and then uh, we'll do some stitching. Ooh. They uh, examine the wound, and you can hear the the moist separation of skin exposing internal organs. Hmm, that's quite deep. You see a, a younger uh, man come in, dark hair, has a, a coat on. He seems to enter with an air of authority. Now, see here. You and you, get me, and he begins listing things. <laughs> Sir, he puts a firm hand on your shoulder. You're going to be just fine. I've seen worse. Give me a spot hidden roll, and it's uh, you'll need a hard success for it. All right, let's see what we got. Uh, 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 what would make that a hard success? A couple of points of luck. I can spend them, but how many so I can keep accurate bookkeeping? Uh, I think that should be 58, so 25, 8, so 29, so 2. I can do that. So you look up at this man, and for a moment, just for a moment, he seems familiar. It's really a flash. You don't know if it's the loss of blood, if it's the weakness still in your knees from having to walk 10 minutes up the street with a gaping gut wound. But he looks familiar. You'll be just fine. Promise. He's an American. You can tell by the accent. Hmm. You feel your head swim, and uh, your forehead is a little clammy. What'd you say your name was, son? Oliver. Hmm, Oliver, is it? Well then, Oliver, what kind of accident? I fell. What did you fall on? It looks rather sharp. Just some piece of metal. A very slow and methodical hand begins sewing your skin back together. Each loop, each pin and push through one end and out the other is slightly spiked with a fire on the nerve endings. You can feel the medicine starting to numb it, but it only numbs it so much. Yeah, I'm sure whatever words I'm saying are with uh, not much breath or effort behind them. He finishes up after a few minutes. And gives you another glass of water, cleans the wound, and then gives you 
a fairly fresh dressing. Now, you'll need to stay off this. And he kind of puts his hand on your back and do recover two more hit points. Yay! I'm back above half. You are. You're still going to be a little bit weary, but you're back above half. (laughs) Another hour or so passes, and he and the nurses have finally make their exits after dealing with both wounds. It's probably been... Oh, it's hard to tell how long it's been. You All you've been doing is basically staring up at the ceiling. Yeah. All right, Oliver. I'm remanding you here temporarily until you heal up. We want to make sure that those aren't going to get infected. I saw a lot of boys in the war get infected wounds and then they walk themselves to an early grave. Rest up. I'll be back to check on you in the morning. Thank you. Simone, the night air after dropping Lawrence off is filled with tension. Oh, I'm seething. I'm absolutely livid. Everything has fallen apart for a multitude of reasons. Getting back near the Petri Museum shows that it's it's swarming with Metropolitan Police at this point flashlights, or I should say torches, and uh, several whistles are within eyesight and earshot as you hug an alleyway. Credit to their response time. Just doing the math in your head, it's been 10 to 15 minutes. You know London well enough to know that the Met is a pretty small police force as far as its territory. And so... The inner parts of of London proper are much more... They get a much better response time than, say, some of the outskirts. You're not going to get a 10 to 15 minute response time in Limehouse. That's for damn sure. Sure. If they show up at all. If they show up at all, right? Okay. Um, So, without getting too close, um, I know which exit the, uh, the two people that got away left through. So I will try to catch their trail um, from what I can gather is like the most logical point of exit, like direction they would have gone. So if there's maybe, I don't know how many different roads there are leading from the entrance, like how many different directions they could have gone. Okay, um, so just knowing London how, how as much as you might, uh, you would know that the University of London on our map here is that's the big building right so right along that street or nearby there is the Petri Museum it actually sits very close to the university itself that said um, there you could go off in all directions but from your position in the building your belief is it is most likely that they went directly south towards the Thames okay so I will keep my eyes to the ground assuming that I'm far enough away from the officers that I could probably use a torch and get away with it. Now, last I saw them, they were in a room with for the for a, with a most for the most part like I don't she wasn't dismembered, but she was definitely oozing all over that room. They'd pulled her tongue out. Yeah. Um a large portion of it and they'd slit her throat and if your memory serves correctly and it could be the shadows, there was another person in that room who'd already been killed. 
Well, there was the one gentleman at the front door as well. So does that mean there were yep. three? Yep. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking for bloody footprints. I'm looking for drips and drops so that I can pick up or try to pick up one or both of them. Okay. Given the light, it's a track roll for sure. Sure. 39 out of 60. Okay. Uh, you pick up the trail just about probably two or 300 feet from the building. So you pick it up when they've crossed the street. They, they make their way basically into Soho. Are they staying and together? So they do stay together. Okay. They make their way into Soho rather going rather than going for the river. They start in that direction and they veer hard right and go into Soho. So there's they want they're going someplace specific. It seems that way. Then so the only so there's only two places two places of note. Now I don't know necessarily who these people are, but so far there's only two places of note in Soho that I'm aware of. There's um Kennery's house or Kennery's flat rather is in Soho um, because they've been there and what was it Empire Spices you know that the Blue Pyramid Club's in Soho we never talked about it yeah I don't know how far up you are with Jack and them on uh, some of that stuff Uh, we talked about the Blue Pyramid but I don't think we ever discussed like where it's location where was was. that okay all we we knew about was the whole like situation with them on the train or either way if my paranoia is serving me properly there's a good chance these guys are related to one of those two potential things there's a few potential places in Soho that they could um, they could be if they're tied to any of this. Anyway, I follow the trail. Okay. So it leads you to a tube stop. Mm-hmm. So they go underground and it stops at a tube station. So like you get to the platform mm-hmm. or you, and it gets to the platform and then it's gone. So they took a ride from here. Seems to be that way, yes. Were there any details about the group that were at all uniform? Mm, no. Anything they were wearing, anything that they were doing? I know the, well, the strangest thing we ran into was that big-ass knife. Um, That's right. I remember that pretty distinctly, but nothing nothing as far as, like, as obvious as wearing anything that would, that would identify them as part of a group. Um, yeah, nothing specific. Okay. Is anybody around? I mean, like the train station? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there are people. They look like they're waiting for the next tube ride. There are probably some uh, uh, some folks, some hard uh, folks hard on their luck that uh, use the train station as a temporary waypoint as well. I will select one of them at random, preferably one that doesn't look like they're sleeping. You find a, an older gentleman. He seems to be uh, taking care of something, like a small animal. I will approach slowly so as not to startle the animal. It's a rat. She she won't bite. I believe you. Uh, I was hoping perhaps you could uh, help me with something. Uh, maybe. There were perhaps a uh, couple of men that came through here. May have been in a hurry. May have uh, been doing their best to... Uh, Conceals suspicious stains on their clothing. He looks at you a little funny. Some have been to fight. Perhaps. And perhaps the fight is not over. What is he feeding the rat? It looks like pieces of bread. Does he have a name? Oh, um, I call her Mina. She's a good rat. I'm afraid I cannot disagree. Uh, so I don't suppose you perhaps saw a couple of uh, 
and Campuria, perhaps uh, 10, 20 minutes ago. I will bend down, I will squat a bit, and like kind of reach in my pocket and extend my hand toward the rat with, you know, some, basically some loose coin that I might have had in my pocket. Okay. A few, you know, pence or pounds or whatever I'm carrying. Yeah, I mean, he, the rat brightens up and so does the man. If you remember anything. Oh, sure. Um, a couple of gents, yeah, must have been, I don't know. They would have been very large men. One of them had a, something with his shoulder. He, he kept his hand on it. They would have gotten on the train to go, would have been east. Yeah. Hmm. Does that narrow it down? Is there only one? Yeah. I mean, there, there definitely narrows it down for you. And I don't suppose you know when the next one is coming? Be any minute. Lovely. Uh, you and me have a wonderful and safe evening. Yeah. Hmm. He tips his dirty hat to you. I will go back to the spot on the platform where the trail stops. Mm-hmm. And I will catch myself a tube. You were going to head east. Mm-hmm. When the train gets there, I'll just basically do what I can to see if they manage to leave a mess behind here as well. So you get on the train here when it arrives. And sure enough, on one of these seats, you can tell that whoever was shot... If memory serves correctly, Lauren shot one of them in the shoulder, mm-hmm. and that guy got away. There's blood, like, on the wall near that chair. And it's about shoulder height. I'll do my best to visualize, kind of. I'll think about them. Like, are they... I don't know that they're necessarily... I mean, they were frightened enough to leave, but they also f- probably are trying to get someplace safe. So this is probably their first chance to relax so if he's here in this seat, if I'm his friend, where am I? You're probably sitting a chair or two to his left because he's all the way on the right-hand side of the bench. I'll kind of hover in that position and I'll watch the seat and then try to get an idea as to where one or both of them went. Um, like which, uh, how many stops are there, I guess? Like I'll look up, I'll look, I'll look up. I don't know if there's a sign or if there's a line sign yeah, or anything like there's, that. There's definitely a line sign that you. I mean, you have some f- familiarity with London, so if they're heading east, they're going to stop at, um, you know, they're going to stop at a multitude of places. And actually, if they go where you think they're going, they're headed back towards the docks because east of here is going. They're going to end up going to parts of the city. Did they use the same exit when they left? No, it doesn't look like they did. So they move through the train. Mm-hmm. Then I'm going to make my way to what I think was their last position on the tube. Okay. Why don't you give me one more track roll? Yep, sure. And I guess my plan is, since I can't really narrow it down, I don't know how much time I have in between stops, but if I can, uh, if I know which exit they took, I, I, I want to try to like scout the platform of whatever place we land mm-hmm. and, and just rule it out if I need to. With a 40 out of 60. Yeah, so if they get on, which it appears where, where they have gotten um, they have gotten on, and they take that east, you ride it for, let's see, past Paddington. Do you ride it all the way down to like seven stops before when your eyes are, when you're coming into the station, 
and your eyes lock onto the pavement outside the platform, and you see blood on the platform. They didn't get there by accident. Okay. Uh, does it look like, I mean, I don't want to say that is the wound agitated, but is the bleeding getting worse? It appears to be, yep. Good. Then I probably don't even wait for the thing to stop before I'm on that platform and moving. From here, the trail gets interesting. Um, you end up passing a couple of landmarks you know. You pass St. Paul's Church, and you go further east than that. And you get close and closer and closer to where you live. Not, like, directly where you live, but you get into Limehouse, and the trail goes cold about five or six blocks from where you stay. It goes down into a garden level or basement level apartment. Like a residence? Yeah, seems like it. The hour is late. And there's not a whole lot of light in Limehouse. There is not. I will take a quick uh, kind of a beat and kind of take in my environment. I'll listen for anything nearby. See if I can hear anything going on inside. If I can like, you said it's, is it like below ground level? Yeah, it's like a garden level apartment. So there's there's the normal apartment stairs here, much like they have in a lot of major cities where there's an apartment that exists in the what would be our basements. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's like a short flight of stairs down. It's like really a half flight. Um, are there, there's a door. Are there any? So there's no windows really, other than maybe front facing. Right. Okay. Smart. I will go to the door and I will I will listen. Go ahead and give me a listen roll. That is a failure. So I think I'm having trouble kind of hearing over the at this point the anticipation and the beating of my heart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take a breath and I'm going to remember what these guys did to poor Lawrence and I will lean in further like putting my face to like the, the surface of the door and like leaning into the crack. Okay, then you're going to push the roll. I am. And a two out of 63. You lean in and you draw all of your senses into a, a razor edge and you begin to hear a series of voices. And it sounds like there's an argument going on and you can hear a back and forth between two people. The voices are panicked. They're worried, Excellent. and they're definitely coming from inside this this place. Based on my understanding of how this place is, it's the only exit, right? Pretty much. Okay. I will continue listening, and I'm going to wait until one of two things happen. Either they're going to get quiet because they're going to get tired, or they're going to come out, or the sun's going to come up, and it's going to get real bright outside. Those are basically the three things I'm waiting for. If it gets quiet, let me know. Uh, because I would like to make my way inside. It does get quiet. How long? Like how long does it? How long do I have? It probably takes five or so minutes. Uh, your keen hearing also picks up like glasses clinking, and perhaps they've found some medication for that bullet wound. Is there a visible keyhole? Mm-hmm. Is there any light coming in from uh, from uh, coming out from inside? Not at this point. It's likely that this door opens it either goes to a hallway or goes to a right or a left turn which obscures any light sure okay 
once it gets quiet, I will I, I will do my best to assist this door in assisting me in opening it. Okay. How would you like to do that? Uh, depends. Is it locked? It is not locked. Am I paranoid enough to search it for a booby trap of some kind? <laughs> That's really something that only you can answer. I'll test the door and look for something obvious. Uh, so if there's any alarms that have been set um, or lines that are hanging or anything like that, um, I would like to be or try to remain aware of any tension that could be awkwardly placed on this door. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, just the turn of the lock or the turn of the handle is just, there's definitely some age to this door, but um, there doesn't seem to be any um, returning tension. Does it open in or out? It opens in. Then I will push it open as little as I have to to worm my way inside. That's stealth roll. An extreme success, 13 out of 75. You enter the room like death. The hallway does go left before it goes right again, spilling into what you believe is the main living space. Just from the sound of things in here, there are two people, one in this first living area, one likely beyond and there is a pretty high likelihood that the person that you're going to encounter first is the person who was shot. Mm -hmm. You can smell, even in this room, the booze and the blood. That gunshot wound that he suffered likely hit an artery, and somebody's in a real bad way. They just don't know it yet. So they're in this room? One of them is. One of them is in the next room. Okay. The one that's in this room... Can, if they're the ones that for the one that were shot, do they sound like is their breathing labored? Do they? I guess do they sound like they could pose a problem if they were to try to stand up right now? Just your impression is is that they sound exhausted. Okay. My hand goes to my boot. I will pull my knife. It comes out effortlessly. Are they like on a bed or a couch or the floor? They're on a bed. It's like it's been somewhat retrofitted into the room. It's. It's just, a, it's just like a bed that's been pulled out into the normal living space. Look, this looks like a flop house. Okay. Are they laying on their back or their side? Tell me. They are laying on their side. You can see that they are propping up the arm that's been wounded. Okay. Each um, breath as you get closer is a little bit more. The laboring begins to bleed through. And so I will hover over them briefly, positioning myself so that I can pin essentially their head into place, tilt it back just enough to expose their under jaw, and then I'm going to pin their jaw to the inside of their head. If you choose to to give them the final you I, know... I execute him. You do so. And I will pull the knife out and kind of wipe it on their chest, and I move into the next room. You feel your arm go cold. It happens every time, but there's almost this feeling that runs up your arm and down your back. Maybe it's a gut reaction from having to do this before, but it's every time it happens, it gets a little easier to do. That won't be the last time. The next room is a little bit nicer than the living space, uh, but not that much. There's a couple of end tables in here. There's a big bed. This person's flopped out on their stomach and uh, you can smell the maybe brandy or whiskey in the room. Mm -hmm. There's a bottle in the right-hand corner. At this point, my blood has gotten to the point of boiling. You said that they're flopped over on their stomach? They are, yep. 
So I will approach to within maybe, I don't know, three feet. I will remove my coat. I am going to dive upon this person from behind. I'm going to put their head in a, in a chokehold and make the knife, put the knife very, very close to their face. And I'm going to hold them while they wake up. So the dive I'm not so much concerned about, but I would like an opposed strength roll. Because obviously when you jump on them, they're going to be... Sure. They're going to have brawl? a reaction. What's that? Is that a brawl? No, it, it it would be brawl, yes. So it would be a brawl roll. I had to say 54 or 70. So they fight back, but they don't they don't have enough energy in their body to get to get you pushed over. And you they they push and pull and fight for a little while, but you steady yourself and keep your center of gravity balanced. And then eventually they wake up enough to feel the steel at their throat and they start mumbling something. With kind of like my knee in their back, I will slowly move my hand away from their mouth. What are you? What do you want? What do you want? You're going to tell me exactly what you are doing in that museum and what you're looking for. You're going to tell me now. Job to do. What were you looking for? Statue piece. We wanted. And who is we? I grab them like by the hair and kind of uh, pull head back. Uh, group of us. Is we. I will cut gently into his ear. Uh, uh, blast it. The Brotherhood wanted to mask. And those people had to die. They. They. It's the Brotherhood. He struggles again. When he starts to, because I'm, I'm guessing he's feeling a little invigorated at this point. He is. Um, yes. Adrenaline's going to kick in. So uh, I would like to remind him who's in charge here. So when he starts to move, I will spin the knife in my hand. I'll still keep the one like around his neck. Um, and I'm going to drive it into his like rear, like the right hip from behind. Oh, Okay. So I would like you to make a brawl roll this time. It's a, kind of a complex move given where you're at. Ooh, I will spend the 14 luck to make that a success. Okay. I'm going to give him an option to fight back at this point. Sure. But given your position, I'm going to put him at disadvantage to do so. Because you have leverage. Yeah, that's not going to do it. He struggles. It's a good thing he had disadvantage because uh, he rolled an 18 the first time. I love it. Uh, he struggles and um, yelps when you uh, deliver the blow. I told you not to move. Oh. I twist it. Oh. You should probably roll damage. Sure. Is that a D, D4 plus DB? One. That's perfect. He, squ- he squeams. <laughs> if you're going to oppose us, He'll be good as dead. But not before you. I butcher this man. Um, I extract the knife from his hip and stab him repeatedly in the back between his ribs until he stops moving, and then probably long after. It's probably the fourth or fifth stab where he stops moving as much. And he really only has involuntary reactions afterwards. You end up feeling that cold sensation on your again but this time it's on your hand and this time it's from the wind that comes from a nearby window which cools your hand which is coated in blood I let my knife on his shirt 
put it back in my boot, and I'll take out my torch, kind of pan the room for anything of note, unless it's just two chumps squatting. Uh, It is mostly two chumps squatting. That said, if you would like to make a spot hidden roll, you can, if you're going to search the room. I will. So 32 out of 55. So you do find a couple of matchbooks. Both are from the Blue Pyramid Club. And you also find a couple of papers. Just these aren't um, regular. These are like yellow, yellow sheets. One page news, like news articles. They catch your eye because uh, there's some of the, the language on the, in them is written in Egyptian. You can see that there's a definite Arabic text to them. You said that these are papers? Like, yeah, they're um, newspapers. They're, okay. They're, they're, you would probably consider them like propaganda sheets. I see. So they're like leaflets. Yeah. Okay. I will, I will roll a couple up. I just tuck them away. I don't read. You said it's in Arabic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't read Arabic. But I'm sure someone in that hotel does. I will, I guess I will turn off my torch and I will unceremoniously depart. All right. I think that is a wonderful place to put a bow in this episode. And so we want to thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you next week.